wing. McEwen wheels in front and was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Ken York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 78 of the Liberty L. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompville. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm, good. I'm doing better than I was probably <laughs> at the last episode. The last episode, I, was that the Drew trait? I yeah, think it was. It oh was. my god, dude! The vibes of that one was like they were <laughs> <Basement>. terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were in the dungeon. In for the sure. in in the literal dungeon, bro, for sure. Like I think I started the episode like yeah, this episode. Like I was I was down. I, I mean, as you should be. I mean, that guy was our childhood. No matter which way, you, even if he wasn't your childhood, even if you're like a 37 and like 35 plus year old listening to this, like that dude was such a key part of this organization for such a long time. I mean, that dude was everything about this organization since he was 17, 18 years old. So, I mean, of course, that one was going to be a very gloomy episode as it was. I remember listening back to it, and I was like, damn. Just a tough spot for the boys. Just a tough fucking spot. Never been in a spot like that with the Flyers, honestly. Like, oh no, no trade has ever hit me like that personally. Just because of how many years Drew's and how old I am, twenty-two years old. So if you think about it, Claude Drew's been a Flyer since I was eight, nine years old. So like, it's just it's kind of a shock to the system. And uh, I was texting you about this the other night when Florida came back against the Maple Leafs and won. Incredible game. Last minute of the third. Games tied 6-6. Drew wins like f- four or five straight offensive zone draws clean. Like mm-hmm. absolutely mugged the guy. Every <laughs> oh, no. single time. No. I, whether it was Matthews or Tavares, it mugged every single time. And the Panthers announcer was like, God, he is just so clutch in these situations. And I was just, yeah, bro, you texted I, me that. I got real sad. I sat there for a second and I was like, damn, he is clutch in them. So yeah. Amy. Because when you have... When you have a good team around the guy, and he does the same shit that he does when the sh- when a shitty team's around him, you you notice it more, obviously. So like, now that he has, I mean, he's not the best player on that team, obviously, but I mean, he has Barkov, Huberto, Duclair, Ekblad's not playing right now, but I mean, Weger, he has so many great pieces, and I I I I didn't even name half the pieces that he has because like they're. They're people that I generally haven't heard of before this season. I mean, Zito is—I'm pretty sure his name was name is their their GM found Diamond like Marshan, um, not Marshan, but like uh, Marshan or something like that. Like he just found Diamond in the rough after Diamond in the rough this offseason for zero money too. I mean, they're gonna be in cap hell next year, but right now, I mean, they're they're incredible, dude. So I mean, if you have a guy like Giroux on a team like that things that he does is a lot more noticeable like like the face-off draws i mean he's top five in the league his first goal the other night he i believe he received like a beautiful pass from barkov or whatever it's just a pass he he never got on the flyers (laughs) and you could see it on him like like his face was like he was shocked when he got the pass in the slot it was kind of like the pass that frost gave him but it wasn't like directly behind the net he was kind of more yeah on the wall and he like fed him for that like that kind of tap in and, um, yeah, man, rooting for Claude. The Panthers are tough. Better than I even – I knew they were great. I knew they were a top team in the league, but I've been watching them closely last couple of games. Better than I even thought. Like, they they just play the they're right awesome. way, and they're never out of a game, dude. Like, seriously, if they're ever down in a game, just live bet them. They, they come back from 6-2, 5-1. 
and just the other Everything. night. Yeah. I'm not used to it too. Like watching the Flyers since Drew's gotten traded, the Flyers are four seven and oh. <laughs> four seven and oh. But am I crazy in saying that like while it sucks that Drew is gone and I wish it didn't happen, there is like a little bit of a, a refreshment to seeing the team have some leeway to not just be around him, centered around him the whole time. Yeah, like I mean, prospects I think... getting bigger roles. Hopefully, uh, we are able because our power play is still the worst in the goddamn league. Oh, it's I mean, you take away Claude Giroux, of course, it's it's going to stay that way. But I would like to see a guy like Morgan Frost get on the power play. Well, I mean, he yeah, I mean, he's on power play too. But I mean, you would like to see a guy with his skill set. I mean, he's been arguably their best player in the last five games. Be on power play one. I mean, Brink gets Brink wins the championship. Uh. A couple days ago on, what, Saturday, I think he won. Gets signed on Sunday, and he's on power play one. I mean, granted, he should be, but, I mean, that's the type of that's the type of like position that you would like to see this team put all their young players, especially in the position that this, this team's in right now. I mean, I'm not trying to shit on him. I'm really not trying to shit on him because, honestly, he has been good since he's come back from injury. But why is Nate Thompson playing, dude? Seriously. Like, can, can, can we sit and talk about that real fast? Why is Nate Thompson playing? If if you're going to look at Keith Yandel, which was granted, and what they did with Keith Yandel was granted because he cannot skate anymore. But if you look at Keith Yandel and you're like, hey, we're going to play young kids. You're not in the future plans, so we're going to sit you. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep you from getting the streak that you wanted to get, which was obviously granted. Like I said, but I mean, how do you look at Yandel and then and turn around and play Nate Thompson? Nate Thompson should not be playing right now. Nate Thompson isn't going to be back next year. I mean, he's really not. And apparently, the lines today at practice were the, the fourth line was Cates, Thompson, Limblom slash Brown. Thompson's not coming back next year. There is a slight, slight chance that Patrick Brown might be back next year, especially with the way he wins faceoffs and, and, and can kill penalties. So why would Limblom and Brown be the odd man out with Thompson still cemented in the 4C role? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not like, this isn't me sticking up for Thompson well, saying he's a good honestly, player. nothing Mike Yo has done up until this point has made sense. Yeah. I mean, everything has, I have question marks on every single move he's made. Up until this point, honest to God, every, and I know he doesn't, do, actually, no, he does directly handle the power play and the penalty kill. I know for a fact that he's not putting that on uh, that uh, Daryl or whatever his name, the, the interim guy. Uh, I forget. I think it's, uh, what's that guy's name? Like Tor- Torchetti or something. I, I don't even know his name. Like, they hired him like, <laughs> uh, yeah, Torchetti. He, Torchetti. He's the one who runs the power play now. So blame him. Yeah, it's awful. I don't know what it is. The, the, no matter who they bring in, it's the same problems too. It's they don't put their personnel in the best spots to succeed. They haven't for years. That's why their power play has yeah. sucked for years. They never do. I mean, Brink on power play one is pretty cool. It's going to be what Ferby, Hayes, Brink, Konechny with Provorov and Sandheim rotating. Which, I mean, we have like what ten, eleven games left in the season, and we're just and we're just getting Sandheim a look on the power play. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Like you do oh, yeah, not. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Why is Provorov still getting stuck on the power play? I have no idea. You have Cam York and Travis Sandheim. Like, I have dude, no idea. <laughs> it's not hard. We've been saying it from the beginning of this season. This team overthinks everything. 
And that is that is another example of something that they just they're getting their own head about, trying to convince themselves. Oh well, Provorov, I guess seven million dollar defense, number one defenseman, we got to put him there. And I'm not I'm not just saying this because, like I'm talking out my ass, but I generally think that me and you could sit down and make better power play units. I really do. I truly believe that from the bottom of my heart. Power another play. One thing that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No go ahead. Let's see. Another thing that really grinds my gears is uh when power play two comes out with like 30 seconds left in the power play and they're out for 15 seconds and then there's a whistle with 15 <laughs> seconds left and then the fourth line's out they, like they just completely chalk it every time i know i don't know that's actually something i wanted to talk to you about because like you'll, you'll see power play one with like Hayes and all them for like a minute and 20 seconds and then they obviously won't score um, and then you'll see Frost's unit come out and like move the puck really well, um, and then like you said, a whistle will happen because every time Frost hops on the ice, there's a whistle. I mean, I feel like it, it, it's like clockwork at this point. I text you every time it happens, like it, it's crazy. Um, and then yeah, then like you'll see Limblom and then like Thompson and then Brown out there for the last 25 seconds. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we giving up? The la- like anything can happen, man. They chalked it completely. It's time to put the energy line out there. We need we need a grinder shift. <laughs> That's what we need when, when we're up a man. And it kind of comes back. Like we kind of just made a circle of why Nate Thompson's out there. Generally. Yeah, I mean, honest to God, I have I have no idea why Nate Thompson. I thought after he was injured, uh, I really thought that they were just gonna let him ride the sidelines for the rest of the year. And I'm not trying to trash Nate Thompson. I just genuinely thought with the influx of young guys coming in like Brink, and I was hoping Allison was going to join us, but unfortunately, he's hurt again, right? No, he's good now. He's, he's good, okay. No, he's okay. Um, but, like, he's not coming. I, yeah, yeah. I, I I would very seriously doubt them calling Allison up at any point in time within the next, what, 10, 11 games. I mean, I, I generally think they want him to, to be able to play a month in any league, let alone the NHL, healthy and, and stay healthy. Maybe he's the last call. I mean, Tanner Lozinski has been playing lights out for the Phantoms. I mean, he is an extremely fun player to watch, but he's another guy that just hasn't been able to stay healthy since he's gone pro from Ohio, Ohio State. But, yeah, I mean, if, if I had any say, my fourth line right now would be JVR, Brown, Limbaugh. I mean, that's not an awful fourth line. But right now, they have Cates, who's been playing awesome fucking hockey with with, uh, Hayes and... Who's he been playing with? Hayes and Tippett, I think, has has been the second line, because Tippett's been with Hayes. So, I mean, that would be my fourth line, but, I mean, who the fuck am I, I guess? And those two youngsters, Cates and Tippett, I'm really enjoying what I've seen out of them. I I did not want to jump the gun on Tippett, because I feel like... You know, you trade in Claude Giroux. Like, you, you want to love the guy that comes back. Like, you're watching him. You want him to score. You want to hype him up. But, like, I feel like looking at it from an unbiased view, Owen Tippett's a good player, dude. I, I love his shot. I love his ability to get to where he needs to be. He's not slow. Uh, he can physical when he needs to be. And, and he, he can pass it. He has a great vision as well. Um, I don't think he's, like, a, a superstar or a first-line player or anything like that, but... I think we got ourselves an NHL player. Yeah, I mean, I'm I haven't been totally blown away with Tippett. I mean, I think his shot's nice. I I think he has some chemistry with Frost, but 
I think he gets lazy in the defensive zone. I think he waits for his line mates to do everything, and then he kind of just goes when the puck comes up ice. I mean, I would like to see him do a little bit more defensively. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously you weren't getting anything close to Claude Giroux type player back, but I mean, he's been nice. It's he's going to get a shot in the NHL. I mean, they're not going to trade Giroux for him and not give him a shot. So it, definitely like what I've seen from him now the last couple of games. I mean, he's been fun to watch for sure. I like him. Not in love with him. Like I see some people on Twitter like freaking the fuck out about him, but I mean he's all right. He's good. Yeah, and I feel the same about Noah Cates. Like I feel like he's an NHL player too. I mean, obviously his main is to be seen more. I'm more excited about Cates than I am Tippett. If I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think Cates can be an extremely, extremely good third line, fourth line player. I mean his board work. I think Charlie O'Connor said it on Twitter. It almost seems like it's, he, he has the puck on a string at times. And he, he comes away with almost every board battle that he goes into. So yeah, He's honestly a little rat, dude. He <laughs> the board battles. He reminds me of like a Michael Roffel, like a, a younger Michael Roffel. And I've seen that thrown out on Twitter uh, here and there. But, I mean, it, 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 gen- he, it generally does seem like that. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a – a 50, 60 point scorer. Um, obviously, I don't, I, I don't think that's who, who he is, but I think he's a, a good third, fourth line guy that can chip in offensively from time to time and be really sound two ways. So, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm a lot more excited from what I've seen out of Cates than I am Tippett, but I mean, I like Tippett's shot. You always like having a guy here that can shoot the puck for sure. Yeah, honestly, Frost lately should have way more points than he does. Just because I feel like he gets robbed every game. His teammates, like, he'll make a ah, pass to Konechny. Which game was that? Against Anaheim? Oh, the one he... Nah, he, yeah, it was against Anaheim. He made that disgusting spin move, found JVR, then JVR found Konechny with a wide-open net, then he, he, he hit the post. Uh, yeah, that was the last game. That was the, uh, the Anaheim game. Because he started out... With a beautiful play from behind the net, I mean, they gave him way too much space from behind the net. And he kind of reminds me of Briere a little bit from behind the net because if you give him any kind of space behind there, he's going to find the open guy. And he did. He found Sandheim with a beautiful pass. And then Sandheim, thank God, Sandheim rewarded him because, like you said, he's deserved so many points in the last, like, six, seven games, especially the last five games. Uh, he, He got absolutely robbed, absolutely robbed against, I think it was... I think it was against the Columbus Blue Jackets he got robbed. Let me let me check. Yeah, against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the first game against them at home. Absolutely robbed. Should have had a goal. Had five shots that game. 15 minutes time on ice. I mean, he, he's been above 50% on face-offs for the last four games. April 3rd against the Rangers, he... No points, four shots, 14 minutes time on ice, 57% on the face-offs. April 5th against Columbus, zero points. That's the game he got robbed. Five shots on goal, 15 minutes time on ice, 56.2 on the face-off dot. April 7th against Columbus, the home-and-home. Home. One assist to Konechny. Deserved that. Two shots, 14 minutes on ice, 75% on the face-off. And then Saturday night against the Ducks, one assist, two shots, 14 minutes on ice, and 85.7% on face-off. So, I mean, we're really starting to see a kid develop. We're really starting to see a kid that b- believe that he's an NHL player and, and, and gain a lot of confidence. I mean, like, and I'm not trying to, like, sound like a, like a douchebag or anything, but, I mean, it's nothing that I didn't already know. Like, I, this kid possesses an extremely, extremely rare skill set. I mean, me and you have seen it since 
three, four years. I mean, anybody who knows what they're looking at can see that this kid has an extremely crazy skill set. I mean, the way he sees the ice, the way his hands, I mean, he's an extremely fun player to watch. And now I think we're starting to see him put it together. And as much as we've talked shit on Chuck Fletcher, I have to give him a pat on the back because the hole he could have sent, because when the trade deadline happened, he could have paper transactioned Willman, York, Tippett, and then Frost, just for them to be eligible for a potential Phantoms playoff run. That's, by the way, not happening because they suck. Um, and he didn't. He was like, no, you're not. that's not happening. You're an NHL player now. Uh, even if I wanted to send you back in the next couple of weeks, I will not be able to. So you're here to stay. And I really do. I mean, we talked about it off, off air. I really do think that that gave that kid a bolt, a bolt of confidence, and, and we've seen it. I mean, this, the, the plays that he's made. I mean, how about that play against Columbus at the blue line? I mean, who the fuck on his team is making that play? Who, I mean, and who, who's making that play? I mean, it's, and it's only going to be a matter of time before he does that, and then he hits the and he hits the net. I mean, he almost scored on that play. I mean, just he's an extremely fun player to watch, and I'm I'm happy that he's finally gaining some type of confidence, bro. It's really nice to see for sure. We've always talked about his skill set, but honestly, I feel like it's it's just been a matter of getting him up to game speed at the NHL level. So I feel like if, if honestly, yeah, I'm patting Chuck Fletcher on the back for not sending him down at the deadline, but I feel like if he would have started in the NHL from the beginning of the season, I feel like he would have hit this stride at the same point that he is now, about 30 games in or so. Uh, that's why I feel like we were hammering home all year on this podcast for him to just get experience at the NHL level, because once he does, once he adapts and knows what he needs to work on, knows how to finish at the NHL level, like this ain't, this ain't the OHL anymore, ain't the AHL anymore. Once he adapts and that skill set and that speed of his catches up with the NHL, then it's going to be a problem, dude. That's going to be a big problem for sure. I mean, we've been talking about that for a very long time now, so being able to see him do the things that he has. And I mean, there's still 10 games left, so he still has a lot of time to, to do more, show more. I think he's going to be a big part of the team next year. I don't see them trading him away. I don't think you trade away a player like that with that kind of skill set unless it's unless a hefty haul is coming back. Unless you're you're trading Frost and like a fir- two first-rounders for a fucking star player. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere this offseason. So, like you said, it's nice to see it once he fully fully realizes what he can do in the, at the NHL level. I think it's going to be fun for us and for Flyers fans. So, shout out Frost. Um, how do you feel about Brink on the line with Konechny and Lawton? Um, yeah, I like that. I mean, obviously we're going to see tomorrow what it looks like. And even if it does look good, we know that Mike Yo is going to shuffle it regardless like he does with every line. It's one thing that drives me insane about him. There's no stability. I know it's an evaluation period, but I feel like you have to build some kind of consistent chemistry with build some kind of line combos to take in the next year with these young guys. But, I mean, yeah, I think that should be fine. Konechny, great playmaker. Lawton, we already know what he brings to the table, and I think that's a good spot for a newcomer like Brink to settle into play with a responsible guy like Lawton and a playmaker yeah. like Konechny. That's what I was just going to say. I think having a guy like Lawton who can win puck battles along the boards, who's very responsible, like you said, and is just a, a fun guy to play with. And I, I think he's the perfect guy for Brink to play, especially in his first game. 
And it's funny that you mentioned that the whole consistency thing with uh, Yo, because he already said that he might change the lineup from what practice was today to tomorrow, like from tomorrow. So for all we know, Brink could be on a completely different line tomorrow. The only other line that I would probably put him on is Frost's line with, like, Cates or something like that. Because, I mean, JVR, that's another thing. Like, JVR is not in this team's future. Uh, it just, it, it's it's the most obvious thing in the world. I don't know if they don't know. I mean, like, obviously Chuck Fletcher's got to know that he's just not, he can't be on this team next year. I mean, if you want to make any kind of aggressive retool, I mean, we talk about it all the time. If you want to have any kind of aggressive retool, James Ryan-Reeves, like, has got to go. And you have to try to, to avoid retaining 50% or something. You have to find a way to get that contract off the books. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But, I mean, if another ghost trade has to happen, I mean, I've said it before on the pod, if that has to happen again, I'm all for it. Because, I mean, what they do with that cap space could mean playoffs or bust. You know what I mean? Like, just... Getting that seven million off the books opens my eyes. Like, okay, we have Kate, we have Frost, we have Faraby, we have Brink, we have Atard, we have York, we have Konechny, we have these guys. Couturier's coming back, Ellis back. We have cap space now. Do they do they get rid of Limblom? Do they look to trade Lawton? That's that, that's six million off the books. I mean, you got Tanner Lazinski. I mean, I know he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but you have guys. That you could potentially trade. I mean, Limblom's like, I get fans love him. I love him too. But I mean, if we're really trying to shed some salary this offseason, he's got to be a guy that you look at to get rid of. I mean, $3 million. I know it's not crazy. It's not like a, a ton of money. But like I said, if you want to have any kind of aggressive rebuild, rebuild, getting rid of JVR, get rid of, getting rid of Limblom, maybe. Getting that three seven three million dollars. I mean, that's ten million dollars right there. So I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna rely heavy on ELC contracts next year. You're gonna have Brink. You're gonna have Cage. You're gonna have Atar. Which I I mean, I think Atar is gonna start in the AHL next year. I don't I don't think he's uh I don't think he's NHL ready right now. But I mean, I think they're gonna heavily rely on ELC contracts next year. But the moves have to be made, obviously. So we'll see. The moving moving JVR is absolutely necessary. At this point, it it's if you don't do it, it's a failure before the offseason even starts. Because if you're gonna go on ESPN, and I always make this point, if, if you're gonna go on ESPN and tell the fan base after two god awful seasons and a terrible bubble run that we're still gonna win now, with after trading the captain, Claude Giroux, the longest tenured Philadelphia athlete at that time. You're going to trade him away and still say you want to compete next year with a straight face. You have to create that cap space yeah, to be able to be a player in free agency and in the trade market. You have to. Otherwise, I'm just going to look at the Flyers like they're clowns for even trying to attempt to win. You're going to look at them as clowns even more than they already are clowns. <laughs> I mean, for sure. I mean, he, he's the biggest thing. I mean, I, there's nobody else on this roster that I look at that would bring that kind of cap space. I mean, that's seven million dollars. I mean, obviously, Kevin Hayes, his his uh, his contract kicks into a modified and no trade clause next year. But I don't see them getting rid of Kevin Hayes. Uh, James Ernie's like seven million dollars. Connecting it makes five point five. Lawton makes three. Limbaugh makes three. And then the rest: Cates, Faraby, Tippett, 
Frost, McEwen, all make $800,000. I mean, I know Farabee kicks into $5 million next year, so, I mean, you got to take that into account. So, there's going to be guys that you're going to have to get rid of. Provera makes 6.7. Risk the line is going to make 5. He's going to bump down to 5.1 next year. Sanheim, uh, he makes 4.6 now, but he's an unrestricted free agent in two years. So, I mean, what do you do with him? Keith Yandel, he's gone. York, he's going to be on this team next year. Connaughton gone. Sealer, I've heard rumors that they're thinking about bringing him back as the seventh defenseman. Wouldn't hate it because I think he would be an okay. As long as they use him like a seventh defenseman and don't have to <laughs> use him in like a top four, top six role. God forbid if Ellis goes down again or Ristolainen goes down for an extended period of time. As long as they use him the way he should be used, I'm okay with it. But, I mean, Flyers are notorious for using players completely out of their the realm of position, if I will, if that's even the right wording to use. So it should be an interesting offseason. Like we said, I mean, you have to – he has to have – Chuck Fletcher I'm talking about. He has to have a a, a, a zero offseason. He has to have one of the best offseasons we've ever seen, honestly, for them to compete and come in here next year. I mean, I know getting Couturier and a healthy Ellis back is going to help a lot. But, I mean, we've said it before, how much does it help? I mean, like, Couturier and Ellis can't be the entire team. So, I mean, they, they have, like, Jane Reams, like we said all the time, you make way too much money to to not be a factor the way you are. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's got to go. So, you got to get another, quote-unquote, like, difference maker in here and see what he can do. Because as much as I like Cam Atkinson, he should not be leading the team in goals. I'm sorry. Should not be leading the team in goals. Oh, no. No, it, it should be Konechny or yeah. Faraby. Or Joel, yeah. Absolutely. Or James. Or James. Or James. But, you know, it's just been so many years of this now that I don't have that expectation of him. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Like, most NHL people on the surface level would expect James to be that guy. And people would even now be like, oh, but he's second in the team in goals. Dude, Tage Thompson would lead us in goals, man. I know. I'm so tired of hearing that, too. I hate – I know. Chandler set, Stevenson like, would lead our – Moving the goalposts. Like, oh, but he's second on the team in points. Like, dude, isn't Couturier, like, like ninth on the team in points still or something oh, like that? Let me go look. Guy, he's been in prison since freaking December. Tenth. He's tenth. One bright side to this offseason. Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, that's an absolute joke. And he, like, since Christmas, before Christmas, he's been gone. Yeah, he's been gone for a long time. <laughs> that's insane. And he wasn't even that good when he was playing. Like we all knew he was injured. It, it was the, like one of the first times I looked around and I was like, "Yo, Sean Couturier." Even though he's still like he's okay, he's not like get god awful, get him off the ice, bad. But I was like, "There's something else." I mean, me and you said it to each other off, off air. I mean, he, something's so obviously wrong with him, and there was. I mean, a back injury is a crazy injury to have. So. He's been doing a lot of lot of work with the skill coach, so I mean that's good to see. So Hold F will be back next year. Ellis, I don't, I still don't know what the fuck's up with him. They still haven't given us clarity whether or not he's getting the surgery. Like, how do they not have clarity yet? Like, he missed the f- team photo because he was getting treatment done for his injury, and they still don't know whether he's not getting surgery or whether he's getting surgery. And then Chuck Fletcher or Mike Yo, whoever the fuck it was talking, was like, "Yeah, hopefully he's ready for." No, I, I expect him to be ready for training camp next year. I mean, that terrifies me. Because if they're saying, yeah, I expect him to be ready and not, no, he'll 100% be ready for a training camp next year, 
it, it worries me because I mean, if Ryan Ellis is not ready to go, that 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 that's that's bad news. That's extremely bad news. I mean, we've been saying it all year. Like I have question marks with this medical staff from the jump with with the Broussard, the Hayes, the handling of those injuries. I mean, even th- throughout the years, it ain't just this year. Years guys played with their core injuries, and everyone knew that they were hurting at the end of the year. They're oh, I'm playing with one rib. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's um, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not gonna sit here and like break it down and analyze it. But there's definitely question marks there, and I definitely don't have any trust in them, if you will. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with you sitting back and 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 having some questions, man. I mean, there have been so many. I mean, we can bring Broussard into the equation. I mean, there. How many times did Broussard come into the lineup and then leave right away? How many times did Hayes come into the lineup and then leave right away? Couturier earlier in the season. I mean, Ellis is still uh, <laughs> a question mark. I mean, like how many how many guys have gone through like the weirdest type injuries this year? And it hasn't just been this year. I mean. Hart is like he. I mean, I I know what he's dealing with right now is 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 little, and it's kind of keeping him out of the lineup. That's why we've seen so much of Martin Jones. But I mean, how many times does this guy get hurt during like the same time every year? Same thing with him. Oh yeah, he has this weird injury that like didn't happen on ice, but like yeah, he's injured and he's going through a little like nagging injury. How many? It, it worries me, bro. I'm not, and I'm not saying that's the fucking the the team doctor's fault, but I mean, I do have questions. Don't play. Oh, absolutely. Like, like when you look back in past years, hockey players are too tough for their own good mm-hmm. in most cases, obviously. Like, I look at a guy like Wayne Simmons. All those multiple years, he played visibly hurt, and at the end of the year, disclosed three to four injuries to where I almost just go, isn't it the doctor's job to tell him he's not playing? Yeah. And, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, he's too tough for his own good. He's going to play no matter what. That's not his fault. I admire Wayne Simmons for that, and I always will. But I look at the medical staff, which is, like I said, some question marks. Why is he playing when, when, if he knows he has all them injuries, you know he has all them. Why is he playing? Yeah, like it, it's never made sense to me. Uh, the only time that I've ever gotten mad at Wayne Simmons was I, I think we might be talking about the the same injury, but like when he came out. I think it was like 2017, 2018 maybe. I kind of forget the year. But when he came out and was like, yeah, I've been playing on like one leg. Or I, forget, like one, I forget what the injury was. But I remember him just being like, yeah, I, I was nowhere near 100%. And I'm like, uh, dude, you're not Connor McDavid, bro. Like I, I understand that you want – like you're a hockey player. Trust me. I get it. You want to be out there with your boys. Hockey players want to play hockey. You do not have to tell me that shit. But, I mean, at a certain point, you're hurting your team by being out there. Would, would, would I rather have a 30% Wayne Simmons or 100% or, like, 90% somebody else in the lineup? I mean, come on. At a certain point, you're hurting your team. I understand you want to be out there, but, I mean, that was the only time where I was like, all right, Wayne. Like, come on, dude. But, Chris, let's be honest. Those teams were miracle on ice eighth seed squads. <laughs> That's the worst part about it. Like, I mean, we're, we weren't the Carolina Hurricanes of this year. We weren't a President's Trophy candidate, a lock for the playoffs. Like, you're talking about maybe making it to the playoffs and maybe playing the Washington Capitals, who at that time were an absolute Goliath. Or the Penguins, another team, absolute Goliath. Yeah. That's what pisses me off about it. I'm like, dude, like, you're not... 
I mean, you're a good player. I love Simmons. I mean, he's he's not anything like he used to be now. But I mean, just you, you you're not you're not McDavid. You're not Drysaddle. You're not Tavares, Matthews, Marner. You're not that kind of player. That I mean, could those players play at like sixty percent, seventy percent? Yeah, because they're that good. But I just remember being upset. I was just being like, all right, man. I feel like at a certain point, you're kind of hurting your team by doing that. But I mean, I guess that's just me. I don't know. I absolutely agree. This is kind of random, but one optimistic, well, one reason I'm optimistic for this offseason in terms of the contracts that we have to re-sign is with all this yo-yo shit with Morgan Frost, that RFA deal should be pretty nice going forward. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. What do you think that is? Like, what do you think that ends up being? Probably going to be a two to three bridge, I assume, right? Because now that he's actually getting NHL time to prove himself, you have to assume that he's going to think that this is his chance to showcase his value i mean a three-year That's deal what would I would be, assume, but who knows a three-year deal would be tough if we can get him at like three under like three years under three if we can give him limblom's contract or maybe a little bit less than that i i would be okay with that because they're gonna rely like i said earlier in the uh episode they're gonna rely on a lot of elcs they're gonna, like kate's is gonna have a elc Tippett is a restricted free agent next year but i don't see him getting that much money um, Zach McEwen, if they bring him back, is not going to get that much money. Maybe a mil, maybe 1.2 or something like that. Uh, a Tard, if he plays next year. York is still on an ELC. So, I mean, they're they're going to have some leeway, but not a lot. So, it's going to be interesting what he does. Like, There's going to be a player on this roster right now that we're not currently talking about. Now, it could be Kateri. Uh, not Kateri. It could be Konechny. I don't see them trading Atkinson. It could be Provorov, one of Provorov or Sandheim. Like, I mean, I think he's going to make a move that we're not totally anticipating right now that's going to kind of like, okay, damn, like that's how you're going to do it. You're going to get rid of JVR and then trade him. Okay, like that's that's what we're doing. But well, that, kind of, that has to happen though, right? I don't know. I mean, for an aggressive retail, like when you use the terminology, when Chuck Fletcher, more importantly, like we're not talking about Ron Hextall aggressive, when Chuck Fletcher, the guy who loves spending money historically, says aggressive retool, I have big expectations. Anything can happen here. Yeah. I just don't want Nazem Kadri. I was and just going to fucking say that. It's going to be Kadri. And we can get into that now if, if we want to. Yeah, I think yeah. that because... I, and I heard this before. I'm not sure exactly who said it or if it was on Twitter. I'm sorry if I don't credit you. But Nazem Kadri, if he signs here, he's not going to have... Rantanen's, McKinnon's, McCars, all these great players passing him the puck. Like, he's a product of great talent and a great team and a great culture, honestly. That's within a, in a contract year. Like, it's a perfect storm for Nazem Kadri. Good for him. He's going to get the bag. And I just know he's the type of guy that the Flyers are going to want bad. And I don't want to be the team that throws the bag at him. Uh, do you feel the same? No, I mean, I I definitely agree. I mean, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a really, really good player. But like you said, I think it helps playing with Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, Valley Nishushin, uh New Hook, Logan O'Connor, all of these guys. I, 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 Kill McCarr. Definitely helps playing with all these guys. And, I mean, he's look, he's 31 years old. He's 31 years old. He's having a career year, like you said. He makes $4.5 million. He's going to get a pay raise, and it cannot be in Philadelphia. Bottom line. I, I, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It cannot be in Philadelphia, and I'm scared because, like you said, 
I hope Chuck's idea of aggressive rebuild is not throwing the bag at Nassim Kadri. Honestly, I uh, I don't know. If, I don't even know that this is a hot take. But I mean, I said it to you on text. I don't even think we need a center like that. I do not think we have to go out and grab a center like that. That's I really where, don't. That's where the fear comes from, is because I think we feel like the Flyers do. The yeah. Flyers do feel like they have that center need terribly bad. And I know they look at a guy like Kadri and they're like, "Oh, power play, oh penalty kills, and center. Oh my God, this is the perfect storm to fill this need that we have." And I'm I'm just so fearful of that. I really am. Like you're already giving Kevin Hayes seven point one. You're giving K- uh, Couturier what? What's Coots making on his deal? Seven, oh, uh, seven, seven point seven. 7. 7. 7. So you're giving just just Coots and 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 uh, Hayes are making over fourteen million dollars. That's two centers right there. You gotta you gotta have a center that's not making fucking seven. So you're gonna tell me you're gonna sign Nassim Kadri to a bag of a deal, say eight eight nine million? Because I think that's what he probably might get. Maybe seven point seven, kind of like Couturier's deal, maybe a little bit less. You cannot have three centers that make that much money. You cannot. I'm Not sorry. Only that, you cannot have him making more than Hayes and Couturier and being potentially below one of them in the lineup. Like, you can't sign him to, like, a $9.5 million deal than have him be in 2C. That just cannot happen. I'd rather go after a winger like Johnny Goudreau. Honestly. Yeah. I'd I'm, rather go yeah. after an elite talent, a surefire elite talent. Give me Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Hey, I'll do it. An elite wing talent, I feel like, is what we need. We haven't had it since the days of since the days of trying to surround Claude Giroux with it. We have not had an elite wing talent in such a long time. I'm I'm genuinely genuinely terrified that they're gonna throw the bag at that guy. Which I, mean, I, I and that's not that is not me saying he's a bad player. That's just me saying I don't want to spend the money. I don't think we need centers that bad because we already have Couturier. We have Hayes, Lawton, Frost, Lazinski, Forrester. I mean, we have these guys that could potentially – I mean, I think Forrester could be on the team next year. I mean, I think he's that good. I mean, he's been hurt with injuries, obviously. Lazinski is a perfect, perfect fourth-line guy if he can stay healthy. I would love Tanner Lazinski as my 4C. I think he's such a such a like low-key – good hockey player. He plays a two-way game so well. He has a really, really nice shot. I just, I don't think we have to go after a center. Like you said, Johnny Gaudreau. Max Domi is going to be a free agent. I mean, I'm not saying go out and fucking go crazy for Max Domi, but I mean, like, these are guys that you could potentially go grab. And that's just, that's just left wing. Let's look at the right wings next year. Gaudreau, Palat's going to be a I mean, we, we, we joked about that. They're going to sign fucking Palat, right? Palat and Petrie. Call yes, it a night. Call it a night, baby. Uh, Phil Kessel is a free agent. I'm not saying go grab him. Uh, Riley Smith would be an awesome grab. I love Riley Smith. Valley Nischushkin. Uh, I don't want to butcher his name. That would be an awesome grab. Uh, Barbanov would be a nice grab. Just There are guys that you have to grab, like like uh, Zito did for the Panthers. You cannot go out there and grab guys for $7, 8000000 million. You have to try to find a diamond in the rough. And I said this last podcast. I said that he has to try to go out and find a 3C or find a, a 3RW, like a diamond in the rough type thing. And then you responded with, see, that's the thing that he tries to do all the time. And every time he tries to do it, he fails. And you're like, you're 100% right. So, like, I'm terrified. I'm genuinely terrified because, like you said, 
aggressive rebuild, and that's going to mean he's going to throw the money at somebody or he's going to make a big trade. So, I mean, Giroux is obviously a free agent next year, but I don't see him coming back. Phil Forsberg, he's a free agent next year. Uh, he's a center, though. Um, and I think he would demand a lot of money. Trocheck, Ryan Strom, I've seen him throw around. I mean, I'm not really going crazy over Ryan. Ricard Raquel would be a fucking awesome grab. I'm pretty sure he could play both wing and center. There, there, there are guys out there that um, Nemestikov would be awesome. But, I mean, we'll see. But uh, hard pass on Nassim Kadri. Hard, hard pass. I kind of want to, like, let's debunk some counter arguments to the Goudreau okay. potential signing because I feel like this is more realistic than some people think. And I know a lot of people already think that this can happen, but I, I feel like it's even more realistic than some people think. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is they're going to resign him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Why would he want to leave a contending team? That contending team doesn't have money, <laughs> and who knows if they're going to win. And if they don't win, they've been rumored to trade him for years and years and years. Like, this is where there's smoke, there's fire. We always said that on this podcast. We said it with Patrick Laine, and the dominoes fell eventually. This this is kind of inevitable unless the Flames go on some kind of insane cup run. Insane, yeah. Here's the thing with the Flames, and I'm gonna, I'm about to go off real quick. Here's the thing with the Flames, and we talked about this for a while. Like you said, they have no money right now, and they have gone all in. The Flames have gone all in. They they're looking to make a huge huge run in the playoffs this year, and they should. They're one of like my favorite teams to watch in the NHL right now. Matthew Kachuk is a restricted free agent next year. He is going to get a pay raise. He makes $7 million. He is going to be re-signed by them. He is only 24 years old. They'd be out of their fucking minds to trade him and keep Johnny Gaudreau. That's the first That's the first thing. He makes $7 million now, restricted free agent next year. They have to re-sign him. Johnny Gaudreau, unrestricted free agent, makes $6.7 million. They have to re-sign him. Don't know if they will. Andrew he, He's going to make so much money, Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. They, the Flames just cannot handle that. No. He's going to make at least nine. Maybe ten. But I don't see yeah, him making ten. At least. I don't see Seriously, him making ten. Seriously, he, we're talking about 100-point seasons, and he's just rattling them off. See, with Johnny, here's what I would do with Johnny Goudreau. I'd offer him a little bit more term than most people would like, so he we can bump that salary down a little bit. Like, if we can offer him, like... What's the max you can offer somebody, Danny? Eight? Eight years, yeah. I'm like, yo, seven, eight years, bump that bump that AAV down to like eight point something. But the, the stipulation, actually, it's only eight years if you were previously with that team. Yeah, so true. So he's coming here through unrestricted free agency, it's actually seven. Seven, okay, yeah. Yep. So we'll give you the max that we can. Can you bump that AAV down a little bit? We'll see with that. But yeah, give give you a full new no move. Of course, I mean you're here with your buddies Hayes and Atkinson, and like I just feel like it's the perfect storm. For, for, and I, <laughs> I've said that a lot this episode that term, but it, it's true in this scenario. It really is because for years we've seen the articles that he wants to come here, but Giroux was the guy here. We were in a, a half-ass rebuild, whatever. He gets re-signed by the Flames along the way to an eight or eight-year or whatever deal. This is Jeru's gone. Like we we need a new core. Yeah. This is the time we're building up, and we want to win now. And the hometown yeah. boy is available. Yeah, and the whole 
we've already tried the the Hayes friends thing. Like, who, dude? Keith Yandel, bro? I'm about, to, I'm about to get mad, dude. Get mad. Come on. Get mad. <laughs> I'm about to get mad, dude. Nah, stop. It's such a bad Pe- argument. No, nah, that, that's terrible. But the, if people can't see the difference in uh, the one-year 800K <laughs> vet minimum Keith Yandel. Who can't skate. And a 100-point score. Johnny Goudreau's even strength point total is like 76 our, our top guys, Atkinson, with 50, and most of them were, or half of them were probably on the power play or some shit, dude. Like, I'm talking even strength. He's he's going to get paid, and I want it to be by us, and, and we have the chance to do so if we are going to dump guys like JVR and maybe some other players like we mentioned previously. And maybe if he makes a crazy move and offloads Provi or Sanheim or Konechny or one of them players, like you said, it, it's, it's realistic. Yeah. And... For for me, I want this because for ten years you haven't acquired anybody. You've told me like even in years, oh we're, we think we're a competitive team. The only guy you've put around Giroux was Voracek, and like Yager for one year in twenty twelve. You signed JVR. Like the two biggest additions during Giroux's legacy, or the two biggest contracts signed, were JVR and Jake Voracek. Hayes, if you want to count that too, and Hayes, yeah, Hayes, I guess you could put it as a tie, as a tie with a uh, or like on the same level as JVR. But it's just it's just atrocious. So like I feel like we kind of deserve this. You I, traded away our captain, our guy, and it, you shouldn't have had to if everything went the way it should have. So give us this, give us a guy. I didn't even finish yet too. So uh, the whole. So I imagine Kachuk. He he's a restricted free agent. He has to get signed from. The, he already makes seven million. Mangiapane. He's a restricted free agent. He makes two point four million dollars, which is an absolute steal. So he is going to need a pay raise. Whether they they trade him next year because they do own his rights, whether they re-sign him, I I don't know. Then they have Ryan Carpenter. That's not really a problem. Uh, Yarn Croc, which they traded for. He he's another guy. I mean, you have uh, Toffoli, who makes 4.2, and he's not an unrestricted free agent until 2024. So they have, they have a decision to make with him, whether depending on what happens in the playoffs. And then you go down to their defense, uh, Nikita, uh, Nikita Zadorov, who will probably hit free agency. They're probably not going to resign him. He's a restri- uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, Gubranson, he's an unrestricted free agent. So like, there are guys. Michael Stone, he's an unrestricted free agent. Oliver Kylington, uh I think I just butchered his name. I don't think that's how you say his last name. Um, but Oliver is a restricted free agent who's he's on an ELC contract right now. He makes seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so he's going to need a pay raise. Sean Monahan, who's probably a goner because he's on a long term a long term injury reserve right now, he makes six point three million dollars. So they're probably going to wind up trading him. But he's another guy. They do not have money. They do not have money. If they lose in the first round next year, that's great news for us. That is fantastic news for us. If if, if the flame, I, mean, I like watching them, so I hope they don't get swept or or, or blown out four one in a playoff series because I do like watching them play. But they if they are good, they're fun. But if they do lose, if they do lose or get swept or something like that, like a, 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 a complete meltdown over there in Calgary, that is good news for us because, like you said. There's been so many rumors, so many articles of, of, of Gaudreau saying, yeah, like I eventually want to play in Philly. This is the perfect storm, like you said. And I know we keep using that phrase, but, I mean, it really is. Drew's gone. We had to trade him. You want to win now. 
you're, you're, like you said, you went on ESPN. You're selling to the fans that you want to win next year. Ellis is back. Couturier's back. JVR's probably gone. Maybe you want to connect that your Sandheim is traded, and then you keep York and then Provorov, or Provorov's traded, and you keep York and Sandheim, and then you maybe get Zamula or a nice little free agent to fit in there uh, on the third pair. But they have to get fancy, bro. And Johnny Goudreau would be fancy. There has not been a player that they have acquired since probably maybe nah, I could even say Ryan Ellis because I mean he. Although I do like him as a hockey player, he's not a guy that I'm going to run out to Dick Sporting Goods and grab a fucking jersey like right away. I'm going to be calling them every day after we get Johnny Gautreaux. I mean, he, like you say, he's a 100-point scorer. When's the last time we had a 100-point scorer? Claude Giroux. So that would be a, an insane move. That would be a move that would get a lot of lot of fans back back into it, man. And it just so happens that maybe the most elite talent available in free agency is a guy who is from here and his best friends play here. Think think about it from that perspective. In any other offseason, think about the Panarins. They, they, they go to the New Yorks. They go to the... I hate uh, Panarin. They go to the other Mar... They, no one wants to come to Philadelphia right now. Yeah. But this is the one situation where you have a bit of a tricky case. Yeah. You have a guy who's from here and his friends are playing here, and he's in the prime of his career, needs to get paid, and his team can't pay him. And he probably is tired of playing in Calgary, Canada, Alberta. It's probably <laughs> dumb cold up there. No, nah, I know he likes it there. Generally, I'm not gonna, like, even though we're saying it, like, I I know that he does like it up there. So there is a slight chance he does resign. But I mean, I just I don't see it. I really don't. We need Kevin Hayes to get in his ear, dude. We really do. We need we need him to get invited out to the penthouse over the summer, <laughs> and then to just get drunk and talk about it. Like, yo, these guys. The Harper shit, bro. Get on the phone exactly. like he did with Schwerber and Castellanos. Absolutely. And by the way, talking about Hayes, as much as uh, you've shit on him, <laughs> especially before the uh, we started the pod, since Drew since Drew's got traded, which was on March 20th, he's led this team with three goals, nine assists, 12 points in 11 games. Konechny second with three goals, six assists, nine points. So, I mean... Yeah, but l- l- let me say this. I'm what? shitting on Hayes from the perspective of... The fact that the team has him as like the premier left wall power play one guy who's like <laughs> handling the puck all the time. I like Hayes. I like what he brings to the team. I love what he brings the two way element, the PK. I just think that they have more skilled guys than Kevin Hayes that can be handling that puck on the power play. No, I mean I agree definitely, but I think if you can get Couturier back next year healthy, if you can get a a healthy Kevin Hayes that can actually kind of skate. Because sometimes, I mean, it's so obvious he's not 100% back from that injury. But he's still putting up points 12 and 11 games. But if you can get Hayes back to 100%, Couturier back to 100%, Morgan Frost at 3C with some really good wingers, Lazinski at 4C surrounded by, like, McEwen and then another nice uh, fourth-line player. I mean, I, yeah, like, this team could be nice with Goudreau on the top six. Like, I'm back in if that happens. Like, there are ways for this team to compete next year. I really do think. Like, I don't think this team's too far off. And uh, another thing, the whole Ristolainen haters, where have they been at the last two weeks? Because, I mean, I know this is a lost season, but I think Ristolainen has played some fantastic hockey the last two weeks. I have absolutely loved watching that man play hockey the last couple of games. I, mean, I really have. I think he's been awesome. I, re- I really do. I'm not, and I'm not just saying that just to – there's no start shit. Guy. He's awesome, dude. He, he he's been. I mean, he hasn't been great all year. Granted, like dude, he he's had some hiccups. The entire fucking team has had hiccups. I don't know why people love to bring out the heat maps for him. 
but I mean his last 10 15 games maybe maybe not 15 but the last 10 games probably he's been he's been really good he's been good like he's been really solid I can't lie Frosty too Frosty's been so fun to watch I agree I've been saying it in all my preview articles lately it's the most enjoyable the Flyers have been to watch all season and that's because it was that atrocious of a season and the bar was that low but it's finally good to watch some hockey games where I'm enjoying myself. I watch players make plays, and I'm like, oh, well, nice. They can build off that. We can get better next game. Like Frost, for instance. Frost, I feel like it's just a snowball effect. He's getting more and more confident every game to the point where now, tomorrow night, I'm excited to tune in to watch him and Brink and York just continue to get better and better. And um, I'm excited to watch Brink. Let's talk about absolutely. Brink real quick. Haven't talked about Brink a ton this, this episode. How's that happen? Because we're going to name this episode Brink. Something about him. No, I'm going to name it Dryden McKay. Because he <laughs> because he got the Hopi Baker Award. Wait, wait, wait. The best thing about that, McKay, lo- McKay wins the Hopi Baker Award, and then he loses best goalie. There's some real fixing going on. I don't know what that was. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really follow college hockey too closely to, to know what the hell You don't happened. need to. You don't need to. What is I the get, one? I'm sorry to cut. That doesn't make any sense. How does he win best player in college hockey and then lose to the best, then lose best goalie? That makes no fucking sense. And I don't give a fuck. I'm sure Brink doesn't give a fuck because he's a national champion and he just signed a, a fucking ELC contract now. He's now a fucking, not a millionaire, but I mean, he's got some fucking money in his pocket. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I'm sure he don't give a fuck about that. But, and I'm not even trying to be a homer because Brink's a fucking flyer. That makes zero fucking sense. Like even my boy Jake, who's has zero idea what hockey is. No idea. He didn't even know who Bobby Brink was until I started talking about it. He's like, I told him I was uh, yeah. Uh, Brink just signed his ELC, and he was oh yeah. Did uh did he win the best college award? Because I was talking about him at uh, Sickest House. I was like no, he lost to a goalie, but that goalie lost best goalie award to another goalie. And he was like <laughs> he was like what? <laughs> that makes no sense. And I'm like I don't know, dude. Like it's the NCAA. I, I mean, yeah, some fixing going on. Like someone's dad. I think his dad must have like be on the board on the voters board or something. I don't dude. know. It doesn't make it like their trophy even sucks. The college hockey, the NCAA championship trophy is, is terrible. They they need to do better with that. It's not a good looking trophy in my opinion. It's like a, it, it looks like a, the fucking trophy I get I, I got at fucking Pee Wee for MVP when I was like eight. It's awful, absolutely awful. But <laughs> um, it's awful. It, it really is, dude. I mean, I I mean I don't know what to say about that. But uh, Brink's a champion. Bobby Brink is a fucking champion. I mean, what a hell of a way to, to end your college career after leading the entire college hockey in points. I mean, textbook or what, Dan? Textbook, pitch perfect, daydream kind of finish to his hockey uh, college hockey career. It's just like, it's very similar to the, to the York situation yeah. where he just kept, kept progressing and progressing and then finally got the national attention. And the spotlight got on him, and he was a champion. Yeah, champion. I mean, not only, not only is he uh, he did he win that gold medal with York. So I mean, he's a champion in that aspect. But he did something that York couldn't do, and and he beat York's all uh York's team. Because York made a joke today. I saw. Uh, I don't know if it was Jordan Hall or uh, Gianna. 
uh, they actually worked there. Like, yo, did did, did Brink say anything about you about like spanking your uh, your old college team? And he was like, no. But if he did, I punch him in the face. And I was like, yeah, those those two are boys. Those two are gonna have fun playing together, man. I'm excited to see York Frost Faraby Brink. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for for so long. It sucks that it has to happen when they're completely out of a playoff race. How much better would this be if they were in? A playoff spot. Brink joins the team. Frost is going. York's playing left D with with Ristolainen. How much better would this be? But I mean, that's, that's too much. That's just, that's just too perfect for us, right? It, yeah, but it is sweet because, like, just going back, like we loved following those U.S. national development teams mm-hmm. all those years. Those gold medal games at the World Juniors. Like, we love following that because those teams were special, like, led by Zegris and even the years before, like, with Hughes, Faraby went through there, York. And it's cool to have a big piece of that. Like, the Anaheim Ducks also have a piece of that, and you see them showcasing it nightly. Like, those kids are just getting better and better. And it's cool that we have a little piece of that program yeah. here on our side. Zegers is fucking ridiculous. Dude, dude. His, his spin goal? Uh, his, his, his assist? His setup? Yeah, yeah, his setup. When he sp- oh, my goodness. That, I mean, Zegers is a hell of a fucking hockey player. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, the Ducks, the way they have handled his development is perfect. They are just go letting him, they're, they're letting him be Trevor Zegers. They're, they're, they're saying, we're, we're not going to turn you into this two-way fucking Lawton. Shout out Lawton. But, like, they're, they're not trying to turn him into this fucking two-way guy. They're going to, like, you go out there and you be Trevor Zegers and we'll put the players that you need around you. What you lack in, which is strength, defense, two-way game, which isn't awful. We'll put players around you that are good at that. Like Sonny Milano, great two-way guy. I don't know who else he plays with. I think he might play with, uh, what's his, uh, Troy Terry. Troy Terry, terrific goal scorer in the NHL. We'll put you with him. We'll put you with Milano as a two-way guy. And then we'll put you with a sniper in Troy Terry. I mean, like, perfect. Perfect. Let him go out there and play hockey. And I, I don't think they're a... Uh, I don't think they're a playoff team. They were for a little bit. But, I mean, the way they've handled him has been pressure perfect. Um, I kind of wish they handled Frost like that. I'm not saying Frost is Trevor Zegers, but, I mean, it would have been nice for them to just kind of let him go. I mean, he's finally starting to figure it out. Yeah, they are not They are not a playoff team at all. They're not even close to yeah, a lot of Yeah, they lost 11 straight. Yeah, uh, damn. I would have loved to have seen him in the fucking playoffs, man. God damn. But yeah, I, I I love the way the Ducks have handled Trevor Zegers' development. He's going to be a superstar, not a superstar. I don't think a superstar, but I think he's going to be a star in this league for a very long time. So it's nice to see that. Let's get to the mailbag. We have a lot. Mailbag, bag. Oh my God, we do. We do, we do. We're gonna go through this. Bleed orange and black. Where do we dump JVR? <laughs> Who can we realistically get to trade him, or are we looking at a buyout? Where is the ideal fit for Brink on this team? Not just line, but PK, power play, etc. Not Flyers related. Why do Malkin or Cros- Why are Malkin or Crosby not suspended? What offseason plans you guys have for podcasting? And let's fucking go the Liberty L. That's my, my man. Bleed orange and black. We're always gonna answer your question first, but uh, me and Danny have talked about where to dump JVR for a very long time, and I think we have the perfect spot. The perfect spot. It's going to be in that college arena at ASU with the Arizona Arizona Coyotes because they have already come out and said that they're going to look to 
bring on contracts, expiring contracts, contracts that other teams do not want, alter their team. So, I mean, I think Chuck needs to get on the phone with the GM of Arizona. I don't know who that is, but become his best friend. Take him out for drinks. Take him out to hunt for some wings. I don't give a fuck, dude. Convince him to take him. If you got to, if you got to throw a second or a third round, I really don't want to throw a second. I mean, we don't have seconds to throw. But if you have to throw a third or a fourth, and may maybe like a fucking J. O'Brien in there just to get that seven million off the books. If J. O'Brien can can get you from retaining any salary on a on a JVR trade, then I mean, do it because I mean, the money that's going to come from that can be put in so many other places and can help this team. So, I mean, Arizona is my number one. That I mean, that's the spot that I am I instantly think of because they have the most cap space and they are going to look to try to sell a player at that college stadium. I mean, and what other player would be like, come watch James Van Reem's life, a, a power play specialist in, in ASU. You know what I mean? I, I genuinely think it'd be, it would be a perfect, perfect situation for them to try to uh, fucking like sell to their fans. So I think Arizona is my number one team for JVR or Seattle. Yeah, yeah me too. Any t- yeah. No, that Seattle's a great one. I feel like a low key one no one's really talking about as well. The Dave Hackstall connection. Yeah. But, uh, nothing uh, but cap space. How can you trust Seattle to make any significant moves when they do what they do with the expansion draft? I mean, they the, the amount of players which included JVR that they just completely ignored that that expansion draft was like it was asinine. It was absolutely asinine. And I know like they weren't looking to compete right away. I mean, they took the the quite literal, completely different direction than the Vegas Golden Knights did with their expansion draft. But I mean, what they did for that was was despicable, in my opinion. I mean, they Carson Turinsky. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Are you? I mean, come on, dude. Uh, just the absolutely disgusting. But I think Seattle. Arizona. I don't think Montreal would be a spot. Maybe Buffalo. Don't I, I don't see Yarzman doing that because Yarzman's smarter than that. Um, but yeah, that's about it. That's my. Uh, those are my teams. Bleed orange and black, my boy. And over the summer, you best believe we will. Oh, yeah. be pa- talking yeah, about sure. the free agency and draft. That's honestly like our playoffs at this point. So disgusting. Yeah. So we're, we're just awaiting that. Conway. Can no, wait. Hold, t- on, hold on. Hold on. He didn't. We didn't talk about the Brink John yet. Okay. Um, I don't think he's going to start out PK though. The to, to, uh, power play, obviously, he's on the first unit already. But PK, no, not to start out. But I think eventually he could be a PK guy because I mean, the World Junior Championship when they won gold with York, he was obviously not the top guy on that team. I mean, you had guys like Zegers, Kaliev, Turk. Uh, no, not Turk. Hot. G- uh, Zegers. Kaliev, who else was on that team, Danny? Um, wow, uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm out. blanking right now. But there were just a ton of highly skilled players that were in front of him. Of uh, Matthew Beniers was another one that were just in front of him, playing on that, playing in that top six. So Brink was kind of subjected to a more of a grinding third line role, and I think that's one of the most, like that's one of the most impressive things about Brink to me because I mean you can look at what he did in the college hockey this year he led all college players in points but the most impressive thing I think he's done within the last two three years was the Swiss army knife that he was able to able to show us I mean to to be able to lead the NCAA in points 
and then turn around. I mean, turn around and then play that third line grinding kind of role, block shots in the third period of a goal game. I mean, like th- those are the kind of things that show an NHL team that you were an NHL player. So I'm, I think Brink is going to be a really good player for this team. So uh, PK not right away. Power play definitely right away. I mean, he has that skill set. I mean, him on that right wall or left wall is going to be absolutely. Oh my god, it's gonna be so much fun to watch. I can't wait for tomorrow. And why aren't Crosby and Malkin suspended? Uh, I know Malkin has a hearing, but I don't know, dude. That's disgusting. I had a well, I had, Malkin's play was so dirty. I had some back and forth with some Penguins fans. I don't know how they're defending that, dude. I don't know how like Malkin's play. I'm not saying I could see somebody defending that, but I mean. Uh, it's it's not as bad as the fucking Crosby play. Crosby straight up punches this dude in the face as, as plays going on because he doesn't like what what's going on in front of him. He is the biggest bitch in hockey, dude. I cannot fucking stand that guy, man. Great dude outside of hockey. He is like the charity work that he does. He's a very nice guy. But I mean, the shit that he does on the ice acts like a fucking baby, man. Acts like a total fucking baby. Grown ass man. Grown ass man. He's always been a rat. Rat. Absolute rat. All right. Conway, can we clear out all the dead weight and just throw a college-age team out there? Fuck it. I mean, we've been we've been asking for that all year. And yeah. It looks like we're kind of getting that to an extent. Yeah. I mean, if you don't count Nate Thompson. <laughs> Speaking of Nate Thompson, there's also another question from T. Houston. Are these idiots going to re-sign Thompson? He never sits. No, I don't think so. I don't think there's. I don't think there's any way. I think. I think there's a chance they they re-sign Patrick Brown. Not Nate Thompson. Zach attack. How do you feel about the rough ass number that they assigned Brink? Yeah. We talked. We talked about this too, bro. The Flyers always give. The, I mean, Frost is still wearing forty-eight. I know, dude. It's hilarious. I had somebody. I made a comment about it with Kate, and somebody was like, "Well, I actually I think he chose forty forty nine. Like, no, he didn't. They they're giving these kids these fucking numbers, dude. For a Tard's forty seven, Frost is forty eight, Kate is forty nine, and now brings forty six. Like, what what the fuck are we doing here, dude? <laughs> we sound like babies fucking crying about." Numbers, but I mean, like Jesus Christ, dude! Let these kids pick their numbers. What are they not going to be here next year? They're all going to fucking be here next year. Jack Connell, what's Jack. Bobby Brink's ceiling in Philadelphia? That's uh, it's so early. Yeah, I don't want to sit here and sound like a homer, but exactly top six guy, definitely. It's a ceiling, probably. I mean, if we're talking fucking the best he could be, ceiling. We're talking about like a 70, 80 point fucking first line right wing. I mean, I don't see that happening. Yeah, that's like the absolute yeah. best case. Best case scenario. What I think is going to, he's going to be, I think he could be like a nice second, third line right wing that puts up like 40, 50 points, maybe a little bit more, maybe 60. I think he's going to be a very solid player for us. That that doesn't just score. It does a lot more than just scoring. He does little things right. His college coaches love him. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why he led college hockey in points this year and won a national championship. Parody goalie says, what line do you want Brink on? I would love to see him with Frost. I think a playmaker like Frost and then a finisher. Um, nah, I'm sorry. 
Faraby, Frost, and Brink has been my has been my dream line since like twenty nine uh, twenty twenty. Um, I mean, you got Faraby who, who can do it all. Frost is a playmaker. Brink is also a playmaker, but Brink can also shoot. So, I'd love to see him on a line with Frost. But I, like we said in the beginning of the episode, I think starting him out with Lawton, and then uh, who's he with Lawton and Connectney. So. Like I said, Brink is a it's a playmaker, so having a guy like Connecting who can shoot the puck as well. So I think that's a nice little spot for him to start out. Eventually I'd love to see him with Morgan. Yeah, like we said, I feel like it was just kinda of like the safe play putting him with, oh, with yeah. those guys just for the responsibility factor from Lawton. Uh Jerry Pagano, does Chuck Fletcher stay with younger players or try to sign free agent? I mean I guess both, right? Yeah, I'm trying to mix it up for sure I mean we'll that see that would be the hope like if you want to win you would hope that you don't ship off all of the young players but you also hope that we're a player in the free agent market as well I mean you need a good mix I mean look at the Hurricanes man the Hurricanes are a team that have an extremely extremely nice mix of young and veteran players like Nita Ryder is a is a guy who has shown a lot of those young guys like Seth Jarvis Sachikov the, the ropes. I mean, the New York Rangers, Kako and Lafreniere have not been guys have led them. I mean, they've, they, they have other guys, veteran guys who have kind of surrounded them. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh just always kind of seems to stay in the mix. Florida is just insane the way Zito has built that built that team. They're another one. They just have, they have extremely young players that are good, surrounded by older guys, especially with Claude Giroux now there. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what he winds up doing. I wish I had the, the, the actual answer for you, what he's going to do this offseason. I would love to know. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. It's all, like, we've been thinking about. It's all there is to think about now. We're going to watch the playoffs bitterly. <laughs> bitterly. And then we're going to go in the offseason and see what Chuck has up his sleeve. And Kirk English says, are you optimistic or pessimistic for next season? As much as I am tired of the Flyers getting beat this season, I'm excited for the prospect of next season and the youth movement. How about you? Yeah, I, th- I think this podcast has shown how... Uh, I mean, I think I think we're both optimistic, Danny, at this point. I mean, it's it's we've, we've shit on this team this entire season. So, I mean, there's only so much yelling and complaining that we can do. So, I mean, now we're starting to see the young guys. We're starting to play better hockey. We're starting to see how skilled these kids are. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, me and Danny are, are extremely, extremely big Flyers fans. So it's tough to sit here and not get excited for the the prospect of getting Couturier, getting Ellis back, possibly signing Johnny Hockey or Forsberg or any of these like guys, and then add it all with Frost's mer- uh, Frost's emergence, York coming back, Brink. Tippet, all these guys. Yeah. They'll always rope us back in. It doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. That's something we also joke about. It doesn't take much. Like I said, dude, they signed Johnny Gaudreau. I'll be on the corner of Passion Ave with a fucking 12 rack in a fucking Brink jersey. <laughs> in a Brink jersey. Doesn't take much, bro. Not at all. Seamus. Seamus. Realistically, how many years out are they from sniffing the conference championship round? I don't know, dude. Like, hockey's so fucking weird. Like, look at the Islanders in 2019-2020. The year before that, they fucking sucked. Made a couple... They had a nice offseason, and they turned around, and they made the ECF back-to-back years. So, I mean, it's it's so tough. It's it's so tough to put a year on it. Because, I mean, if they... I mean, 
if they have a good offseason, you never know. You you never know. I if I had to put a number on it, two three years, maybe I I, I don't want to say four. I would say two three years away from actually competing and being good. Yeah, I mean, like you, like Montreal. I mean, they get bounced by us yeah. in the bubble one year, come back, make the finals the next. It's like next they're another lottery team. So I mean, hockey's <laughs> the weirdest sport in the fucking world, man. So it's tough. Victor Williams, is there anything to look forward to next season? Well, I mean, of course, he, of course we're gonna pick things to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, he's not listening to this. So I mean, if you are Victor, the entire pod is what we're looking forward to next season. <laughs> we literally talked about it the entire pod. So, quick with it, John. <laughs> quick, wait, wait what? Uh, oh, quick with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, quick with it. Uh, I just, I just <laughs> thought of the way we say shit. Yeah, yeah, with it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we need to talk about forwards coming back and playing D. TK specifically often just standing still like he has no idea where to go. This is something I've bitched about for years. Oh, dude. The, the forward help defense just has not been there. And I totally agree. TK has been one of the main culprits at times. And it's not just him, of course. I mean, honestly, at, everyone on this team falls victim to it at times outside of like, a couple guys. Couple, a couple guys play responsible through and through. But for the most part, there's a lot of forwards on this team that don't play proper help defense, supporting defense. I mean, Cates is a guy. I mean, it's only been a, a small handful of games. But he's a guy that really seems like you don't have to worry about that with him. So, But TK is definitely over the past handful of games. I mean, last game against the Ducks, there was one shift in the defensive zone where he literally sat in the air. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure John is the one who, who added us on the timeline. I mean, I'm pretty sure TK didn't move from the spot. I mean, he was just standing there. Not like Frost is over here going crazy trying to get back on the, the back check. I'm pretty sure Frost got it out of the zone, but... Yeah, I mean, Kenny, Tippett sometimes too. Tippett sometimes just sits there and waits for his teammates to get the puck up, and then that's when he'll start skating. People have commented, oh, wow, Tippett's burst is insane. Yeah, because he's not using up any of the fucking energy in the defensive zone. So when he finally gets the puck on his stick, he has the energy to go with it. <laughs> like, are you watching? Are you watching? Dom Bala, hmm. give us your lineups for next year. See, I'm not gonna do that one because I have no idea. If I had if I had the choice, my top line would be Gaudreau, Couturier, Atkinson. That would be my top line. That's so good. Yeah, that's fun. That's man. all it takes to get me right back. And then a nice little defensive addition in there. Yeah, that'd be my top line for sure. Second line, uh, Faraby, Hayes, Konechny. I don't know if he's gonna be here next year. I don't know. Um, and another thing is like we don't know with like guys like Allison how they're gonna if they're gonna stay healthy. <laughs> I'm done. It's, not, it's not just him either. Like there's there's other guys too that are you you don't know if they're gonna yeah. be able to be healthy. I'm not done with him. I was just I was just about to say I'm done with I'm done with Wade Allison. But I mean, how could you sit here and and, and slot him in, in into any kind of lineup at this point? You can't. So. It remains to be like if he could stay healthy. I, I mean, I've said it on this podcast before. If Wade Allison was able to stay healthy for an extended period of time, uh, he would be a fan favorite here, and I really do think he'd be an extremely good player. But you, you just can't slot him into the to the lineup at any point until he shows you that he can stay healthy. So 
We'll see with him. He's a big question mark. He's a huge question mark, actually. We'll see what they do with him. Yeah, honestly, looking forward, I'm I'm just excited to watch the rest of the games, and yeah. uh, I am excited to see the playoffs. Unfortunately, and top five draft pick. So, yeah, that's what we are looking ahead to. Do you have any other? No, I think we covered thoughts? everything. No, I will. We'll see you next week. That's my closing thoughts. Follow us on all socials at the Liberty L. Follow me at T L Y Danny. Follow Chris at Chris Stumps. Go floor.